guys. This is Coach Keita Bussey with 180 Firearms Training, joined today by Mike Seifert and Ryan Poblet. Is that how I say it, Poblet? That's fine. I'll take that. <laughs> All right. Today we are going to talk about the match they just shot in Puerto Rico, IPSC. Welcome to the 180 Firearms Training Podcast. So Ryan, why don't you go ahead and tell us a, a little bit about yourself? Um, so my name is Ryan Pobletti. Um, I've been shooting USPSA for six years now. Um, I started a limited division. I shot that division for three years and I moved to open division and I've been shooting open for, for a couple of years now. And it's a fun division. It's, um, it's, it's fast. It's, it's, it's fun. Which one do you like better? Do you like, uh, I mean, so full disclosure for everybody today in the uh, that, that's watching, um, me and Ryan have shot together since I started. So Ryan was actually a guy that we, we shoot together locally at a lot of our uh, local matches. And um, when I first started, Ryan had been in the game. He was still shooting limited at the time. Um, so I saw the transition from limited to open. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I've always looked up to Ryan um, ever since I started. I mean, he was always much faster than me. And now, you know, he was a guy that I pushed for. And I feel like we, we kind of helped push each other. Considering that you know, I, I shoot PCC, Ryan shoots open. Um, but what's one, what's I, one? I'm I'm looking at your time now. Yeah, and well, I can be five seconds closer, or if I'm five seconds behind with no misses, it means I'm shooting a great match. Yeah, no, you killed, five, you killed it down in Puerto Rico without a doubt. You know, and you know, looking at the times, I actually messaged Kita between me and the third place guy. Um, you know, the difference between major and minors significant. So I had, you know, if you look at the times, I, I beat the guy's raw time. I had better hits than him. Um, but at the end of the day, I still lost because major versus minor. So, you know, I, that, that, when you see results like that, that's kind of eye opening because it's like, man, you know, like I have to out shoot you on, on raw time and hits in order to mm -hmm. kind of, in order to really seal the deal if I was trying to beat you. So it's, it's, much tougher, but I mean, so I'm, I'm always trying to push the time a little bit because that's definitely an area where I can, you know, help my hit factors. Um, but, you know, always trying to keep the alphas together. But uh, yeah, yeah I mean, you did outshoot on time and on hits, but not on points, just right. because points. of the major versus minor. So even well, being faster to, and getting you know, more alphas, you're still right, behind. Well, more alphas, but I mean, my, one of my goals for this season is to, you know, last year, when we look at a lot of my majors that I shot now. I kind of take into consideration that I, I didn't really have very many primers. So I was trying to shoot almost just majors. So the practice was minimal and the locals were even minimal. Um, but, you know, it, I, I really wanted to limit my deltas and, and my mics and my no shoots for this season. And I feel like over 20 stage match, and, and that's something that we're going to get into today and talk about the match a little bit. But I feel like that wasn't the easiest match in the entire world to kind of keep it together for 20 stages. And I feel like my first five stages were not very good but then for the last 15 i really i shot awesome for for you know what i what i was trying to do for you know this season and, and it's good to get out on that start but i mean you know ryan killed it and and still shot major and maybe we'll get into that question before we even start talking about puerto rico because here before we started talking about this podcast i was talking to ryan and i was like i got a question that i wanted to ask Keita and grant and because it's something that i always talk about with ryan all the time and i'm always telling him that he's got to go faster because he's got a license to kind of miss a little bit shooting the major open gun. And I get a lot of rag for shooting PCC, which is a rifle technically at a practical shooting match. And I always say my gun is much more practical than Ryan's open gun. So, you know, he should get in the spirit of the game, but, <laughs> but, you know, like what, what, what would be, what would be better for Ryan? Like, cause I'm always telling him he's got to go faster. I beat him by 16 or 17 raw, but he had a lot of alphas. So like, Am I right in telling him that he should be going faster and because he has a little bit of a license to miss Kita or, or, or is he doing the right thing where he's just trying to shoot for points and whatever happens, happens. That's something that like, I always, we always have a conversation and you're kind of like a third party. So I'd love to hear what your opinion well, is. I'll tell you my strategy at this match. So go ahead, um, Kita. What's your, what's your uh, point on this? I would say, yeah, if you're shooting minor, yeah, you have a little bit of a license to go a little faster, but I mean, major sorry but then you're also dealing with a little more recoil you know you have other challenges that weigh in hold on 
Are you though? Are you? Because if you talk, depending on who you talk to, and maybe this is due to their, their load that they're shooting with their gun and like everything's tuned up nice and nice, but you know, sometimes you hear, oh, it does depend. The gun doesn't move at all. So like when you, if you're going to tell me the gun doesn't move at all, what are you shooting? No recoil. What are you shooting? What is your gun? Yeah. Ryan, what are you shooting? I'm shooting a CZ checkmate nine, nine major load. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, I, it probably doesn't affect you so much. So yeah, you can push for maybe, speed a little bit maybe. more. Now, Ryan says that the dot definitely bounces a little bit, but I've talked to guys like Anthony Bruno who shoots an infinity and maybe with the load he's shooting, he's like, he shoots 38 super. He says the gun literally doesn't move. So well, I got both gun, 2011, 38 super and CZ. The CZ kicks a little bit more. The, the dot moves, uh, I would say more up and down compared to a 2011 gun. So you know, 2011's got a little bit of advantage, but at my in my case, I'm so used to that gun. I've been shooting that gun for maybe two, three years, and you know, switching to a diff- different platform, it might take me two, three months to get used to it. So I shot both platforms. 2011s are great guns. It shoots flatter. You have different options of you know ammo or, or powder or you know loading data stuff like that, but you know, it for me, it's it's harder to tune. 111s are harder to tune. It needs to be perfect, perfect magazine, per, perfect extractor, all that kind of stuff. While my gun, you buy it, open the box, load load your magazines, and and, and it shoots out the box. That's what I love about my gun. So, so in your opinion, would you you rather a gun that works all the time versus a gun that Needs to is super finicky and and might shoot a little bit softer, um, but isn't necessarily so reliable. You'd rather have a gun that's just going to work all the time, right? I like my gun. I didn't even clean my gun before the match. Like I fired probably <laughs> I I would say Florida State, uh, Florida State Championship. That was like two three weeks ago, and the gun got like 1,200, 1,300 rounds, and it worked. That's pretty good. See, like, I would never go that long in between cleaning just because I, at one time, I'm scarred for life from shooting an MPX, and I'll never go back to that. But if you ever shot an MPX for a significant amount of time, you get really OCD about having a dirty gun. So my gun is usually clean. Like, after we shot Puerto Rico, I just took it apart yesterday, and I, I really, I detail cleaned it perfectly. So, like, I would never go that many rounds. But, yeah, I mean, if that works, I mean, that, that's really cool. It's, it's interesting that you trust it even going to a major match. I mean, for me, it, it takes me about an hour and a half to really deep clean my PCC because it's a little bit more intricate than just a pistol. But like, that's interesting to me that you wouldn't take like 20 minutes and just be like, well, I'm going to fly down to Puerto Rico. Let me, you know, at least take it, take the barrel out, wipe it down or something like that. Nah. So I, I sprayed a little bit of, uh, what do you call that? Hoppy, the, the, what do you call it? The cleaner. Yeah. A little bit of that. And, and that was it. Um, again, you know, uh, the gun is, you know, it takes a little bit more, but it depends on your training. If you train a lot and you, you're used to that dot movement, it's almost the same. Like, the only thing that I can really do um, with that gun is I can't go down to, like, you know, like 11 or 12 splits. Right. Like that. Is, that because, is that because it'll be trigger? too high? The sights will be too high for the second well, 11, 11 or 12 either. splits being what? What do you mean? Like, after splits. It's around 16, 15, 17. Average is 17 at a five, five, seven yard target. Is that is that a, is that a you thing or is that a CZ checkmate thing versus like a, you know an Atlas or an Infinity type gun? It's it's probably a me, my thing or you know maybe I have to upgrade the trigger. But you know like if I upgrade the trigger, like what I don't know what's the advantage of you know 14 versus 16 split. I think you can. You can do actually. I can tell you, uh, it's it's two two hundreds. So <laughs> I, I can gain more on on movement, um, transition, and 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 I would say execution. Like if you execute the stage well, your time's going to be good. Like if you don't have stage, if you don't have extra shot on the steel, if you you're on a perfect position, um, no extra shots. That's what really matters in a match, I think. So at this point, the gun isn't holding you back. So you know how many times we said that? At my level, 
I'm I'm master. Like I'm not competing at the what do you, what do you call it? It's like the, the the main stage yet. Like I'm not competing against the world title, right? Hold on. It doesn't hold me up. Yep. Time out. Time out. I have to. I would like to just point out that I I am very fortunate to shoot in an area where where Ryan shoots, but Area Eight has some great open master competition. Um, there's a lot of guys in the in the open M class that. You know, you get to usually see shoot against each other in every match. And, and Ryan is one of a few guys that are just super awesome to watch shoot against each other. They're all kind of on the same level, but they're all they all have really good points of their own game. And they don't do they don't all do the exact same thing perfectly, but they all do something perfectly. And it's really cool to see how they all like, you know, everybody competes throughout the entire match. I love watching the open M shooters like, you know, when you're when you got live scoring at a match, it's like, oh, let's see who's up now. But I, I'm because a lot of good shooters in our area and you go to a local match, it's like a major match. You battle against, you know, the top master or grandmaster shooters in the area. And it's it's a good match. Like, you know, like you go to Antolani, it's a battle. 130 shooters on a local match, 10 stages, few masters, few GM shows up and it's it's a battle, right? Yeah, I mean, Antolani is, is a major – I always say it's a mini-major every month. They, it's a local monthly match that they run for 10 stages every month. And the dudes that run this match and Chick that run this match are, you know, I would have to say some of the hardest-working people that love this game because they do it for virtually nothing. Um, but, man, they have a fantastic facility there at Antolani. And Area 8 and the Mid-Atlantic Sectional actually are there this year. So they got two majors. Um, but, you know, every time you go there, you know you're going to get a solid match. So. I mean, I love going on to line and shoot. That's a little different versus like when me and you like we'll shoot Hellertown or something. To me, Hellertown is a little more fun. Every time I go to Antolani, I would say I take it a little more seriously. But at the end of the day, a local is still a local just to me. And, you know, I like major matches are where, you know, for me, that's what gets me excited now. So I don't know. I mean, I love shooting against you. But if I have to work on something and it's, you know, hey, look, I got something coming up. Antolani is a perfect match to say. I got 10 stages to practice something I'm bad at. So. I still take it as a local and sort of like practice, you know what I'm saying? But then, I don't know, I guess maybe Antolani, you do want to win that one. Yep. And Mike, yeah, back, to your, back to your question about pushing the speed a little bit more because you're shooting majors. I think you really want to be shooting at least 90% of available points. And whatever speed that puts you at is the speed you should be at. If you're pushing the speed beyond and you're dropping below that 90% of available points, then you probably shouldn't be pushing that hard for speed. Yep. I agree. What was your point, Ty? So I shot the match, you know, two-day match, 10 days per stage, right? So day one, my strategy was to be conservative. You know, just get my points, no major mistake, because I don't want to be the person where I'm 30, 40 points, well, 50 points behind, and I got like four or five mics on the first day and I have to go, go 110% every stage the next day, right? I don't want to be that guy. So I shot first day, very conservative. I had a couple mistakes where I passed the target. I have to come back one step where I gain about three seconds and a mic. So after day one, uh, scores was up. I was down five points against uh, a GM, Ken Yang, right? I was looking at the time. I was looking at the... The, the hits, he was fast. He was 10 seconds faster. And I looked at stage per stage. I was, he was winning the big stages and I was winning the short stages, right? So the next day I was, I was, I was you know, my game plan the next day was, okay, I'm going to speed up a little bit. So I'm going to find my 95, 98%, you know, my, my 98, 95, 98% speed and I'm going to continue shooting alpha. I'm going to try to win the short stages, which I think we had like seven or eight short stages that day. Well, that, that's what I was going to interrupt you, but that's what I was going to say. It's interesting to me that you came out on day one and you were trying to be conservative. When I had looked at day one and day two, and I said day one is worth like 65 to 70% of this match. Yep. And if you're not going to do something on day one, it's going to be very hard to make up ground on day two. So I, I had a different strategy. Like, you know, it wasn't, I didn't want to go wild, but I also didn't want to go super conservative and, you know, be at like 80% because I'm like, you know, this is where the, this is kind of the match. It's like when we shoot Hellertown and the first stage is always a 32 and the other ones are 12s, right? So like the first stage always means a lot. 
that's kind of how I took the match. Like if you, when you really looked at the matchbook, we had a lot of Keita, we had a lot of 12 round stages on the second day. And then we had like one eleven. Um, that I think we had a 29, a 24 or 23 and a 19. Those were our three biggest stages for day two past that. They were all underneath 20 rounds. And on day one, I mean, we had a 32, a 31, uh, 28, uh, you know, like there was a lot of big stages. So, I mean, you shot really well. You still were, you were ahead of me by 6% after day one. So again, I don't really feel like I can say anything, uh, but I, to be honest with you, I was not focused on winning. I was just focused on stage per stage. You know, I'm going to shoot the stage. I'm going to shoot the stage at my level or my capability. I didn't go over hundred percent. Um, same thing on yeah, the second what, day. What, what percent would you say you were running? So like on day one, were you at 80? Were you at 75? 90, 90%. So you're still going. So you're making it, you're making it sound like you're making it sound like you weren't doing very much. You were, you were still at 90%. No, the, thing, right? If you go 100%, right, every stage, some point you're going to crash somewhere where you're going to have three, four mics on a, on a stage, right? Do you really want that? Or just be consistent. Like, you can beat me every stage by two points, right? You can finish the stage 100%. Look, I'm, I'm always focusing 100% on every stage. Like my mind is focusing as hard as I possibly can. Now it might be focusing on different things for different matches. Like, you know, this one, I, I, you know, because of my philosophy I want for the season, I was really trying to say like, I'm going to put the dot in the middle of the target and pull the trigger. And I worked out. I had a lot less mics and no shoots, but all my stuff came on my first five stages. I think that's just, that was for me, that was like, you know, match nerves getting to Puerto Rico, doing all that kind of stuff, which we still have to talk about, but um you know finally stepping up and you know after doing five hours of walkthroughs the day before i was a little bit nervous just like everybody gets but it takes me sometimes longer than others so i feel like i do better on these 20 stage matches because you know the first five are just kind of iffy but then i came out after lunch after day one and i was just i felt so good like you ever you ever shoot a match ryan where like you just feel like your dot is just exactly where it's supposed to be and like you're transitioning your transitions are lightning and it's like middle of target middle of target like i just felt like that after lunch on day one and like finished out day one crushing five stages and I'm like okay so feeling pretty good so now I wake up for day two and I was kind of like well I wonder how today's going to be well the best part about this match was that you can get there to show up at any time so every match I've shot in the states you have to okay well we can't start shooting till eight well we can't start shooting till nine well at eight or nine when the range says you're allowed to start shooting that's usually when your first stage starts so like if you wanted to warm up a little bit and they have a practice bay you can't do that if you're you're shooting in the morning. So like this great this place was great. You show up at six in the morning, you break your guns out. There was there was people there already, and like you know. So I I came out on day two, and I had a mag full. Like I had like eighteen rounds in a magazine just like sitting there from from day one. And I took it out and I shot about I think I shot six rounds, just three double taps into the target straight ahead of me, and then I kind of put my gun away. And I was like, ah, still a little not, not confident. I put my mag back in and then I ended up doing transitions with the two targets right out in front of me. So I did two, 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 two. And just from those, those three transitions that I did, I knew that I was going to carry over exactly what I was doing from day one. And like, I knew that day two, like I knew on the first stage, I could push it a little bit just based on that little warm up. So I feel like it would be nice if we had that option more in the States where, you know, we can, we can shoot before our first stage. Like if we started shooting at eight 30 and, you know, we're allowed to start shooting in the state laws for eight o'clock, like give me 30 minutes to let me go warm my gun up and get a little bit of confidence going before I have to fire stage one. So I love that. Yeah, aspect. Matches where they provide you a practice bay. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's what I'm saying though. So like in Alabama, they had a whole practice bay that was set up right by the vendors. Right. And they had a, like, a massive shooting area and a bunch of steals and they, right. but Alabama state law said you're not allowed to start shooting until 8 a.m. Well, right. stage one is 8 a.m. So like, you know, I'm getting rid you know, read a, a written stage briefing at 7.55. And it's like, well, what do you want me to do? Hear this, run over to the thing that's, you know, if God forbid you're shooting zone C, you want me to run all the way down the hill to the practice bay to shoot 10 shots? Like, seems a little rushed. Like, it'd be nice if we had a little buffer, like, hey, first stage is 8.15. You know, we can go shoot at 8 a.m. You got five minutes to shoot, get your stuff together get up to your stage and hear the written stage briefing. Like I love being able to shoot beforehand without having to like really rush. I was able to casually walk my, my gun over, you know, take my time, shoot the targets that I had to shoot, feel really good, put my stuff away. And I still had 30 minutes before we were shooting stage one. I felt really nice about that. So that was an aspect that I really love. I mean, the facility at this place at Puerto Rico was just like, it was unbelievable. It was world-class. 
And you know, it was awesome. You can hold a national, a national yeah, well, I mean, 24, you 24. shot Talladega, right? You shot, you shot CMP, right? Yeah, so nice. well, I, to me, CMP was really nice, but like, I don't think you can, you can match the backdrop that Puerto Rico like offered. Like, I mean, it was literally, you could tell that they bulldozed it out of the jungle or, or the rainforest, if that's what it is, whatever it is. And it was just beautiful. I mean, like, you know, there was perfect bays with perfect grass and like the, the ground that they, like, that's another thing we talk about the fact that they got so much rain and there was not one target that sunk into the ground and threw out a stage. The only thing that got a stage thrown out at this match was they got so much rain in three days. There was a landslide that knocked out stage 20. So like oh, props wow. to whoever did this <clears throat> range, but like it was just beautiful scenery. And I don't, I, you know, I shot CMP and I love that range. I thought that was the nicest range I ever shot until I went to Puerto Rico and just, you know, maybe it's because I'm from, you know, New Jersey and I'm not used to seeing the rainforest and all that stuff, but I just, I loved everything about pulling up into that range and the facilities were all new and beautiful ranges and the bays were perfect. Like, how did you think, like, what did you think about the, the facility itself? So I was there in 2020 before. So they had a Puerto Rico, I mean, Caribbean Open in 2020. And it was my first time shooting IPSC. And what really drew me back was hospitality of, of the staff. The, nice, the, the ranch is really nice. That's, that's really good. They have a nice clubhouse. They have a nice indoor range, right? Like four base with you got roof, you got covered. Um, but the hospitality, man, it was, it was a place where you can go shoot and go on vacation. So this time or last time and this time I did both, <clears throat> you know? So, yeah. So Ryan, that, you, brought, you brought your family down, right? I with my kids and we enjoyed the beach. We enjoyed the, uh, the resort. So I really it was, uh, that it was about a win-win. Pretty much every country I've been to, I have felt that way that the hospitality is the best part. They all treat you like yep. your family. Um, so you shot uh, in the Philippines, right? Uh, yes. What do you call that match? Uh, it was it was it was nice, right? It was beautiful. Yes, beautiful. Yep. So hey, so you know that's something I wanted to touch on too. But like, if you're going to bring up the Philippines at this point, you know, I mean, you're you know, JJ was at this match, and you know, I always see like the Pinoy shooters and all these guys, and like, like, can you? I've never been to the Philippines. I've never, you know, I don't have the opportunity because BCC is not there. But like, have you been there? Have you? Do you have yeah, PCC there? is there. there well, PCC no. there. Well, I'm saying for the what? world, I don't believe it is. But Ryan, have you ever been? You've been to the Philippines? I was born and raised there, man. I moved. So there I what is? There. So perfect. So what? What is like the shooting culture? Because I mean, there's a lot of Filipinos <laughs> around us that shoot, and I love, I love all these people. They're so enthusiastic about guns, and like, you know, without them, I mean, you know, like you see people like Shirley's always working matches. Like they're they work so hard and they love shooting, and like I love those people. But, like, can you talk about it a little bit? Because I've never been there. And, like, what is the Filipino shooting culture like? And, like, you know, how, how much of an influence is JJ? And, like, what is, you know? So JJ is a superstar. You know, I can't really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. JJ start all over the world. So I can't really talk about shooting over there because I started shooting when I was here. I started, I picked up uh, a gun when I was 30 years old. My background really was, I was playing basketball back home. Um, so shooting, I didn't know about, I didn't know anything about IPSC or, or USPSA until I hit 30 years old. So, but a lot of talent, I, you know, I, I can see them online. I, I shot them at Magnus stuff. There's a lot of good shooters back, back in the Philippines. There's, there's, there's like a 16 year old kid, kid named Bro Texan and Khalil Girai. They're, they're awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you're pretty awesome. So, I mean, I know a lot of people look up to you um, that I talk to at matches that I shoot with. They're always talking about Ryan. Like, oh, yeah, I know I shoot with Ryan. Like, yeah, I know Ryan's great. I shoot with Ryan all the time. <laughs> so, well, in the Philippines, but, uh, there's a large discrepancy. So, basically, you have to have money to shoot guns. And there's such a huge difference. Like, either you're dirt poor or you're very rich. There's, like, no in-between. Yep. And so it makes right. it it limits access to a lot of people. I've heard that I've heard that about all international shooting though. I've heard that about everywhere. Like, you know, anything outside the United States, it's like it's very uh, the one percenters are able to do this sport and travel to these matches and 
and do that. I mean, that's why I feel like, you know, we're very fortunate to be where we are because I mean, God, like I just shot yesterday. I mean, there's another match that I could have shot today. You know, I mean, there's like, there's plenty of things to do around here that's just normal for us, but, and right. I don't feel, I'm, def, I'm definitely not a one, you know, for everybody out there that might be international, I am definitely not a one percenter. I am very poor. So, you know, but I, I still get to enjoy the sport and, and, you know, that's partially because of my sponsors and, you know, thank you to them. But uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, thank God we are where we are. I love this country, you know? Yeah, yep. we've got it good here. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, so going back to the Puerto Rico match. So we talked about your strategy. The facilities were beautiful, but like, uh, you know, let's talk, talk about how your match went. Did it go to your plan? Um, going back to when you said you were, you know, I kind of remember you like 15 minutes ago when you were saying you were conservative day one. And then, you know, so tell us about day one, day two. How did everything go for you? Did it go how you wanted? And, you know, did you want to be closer to JJ? Did you want to beat JJ? No, I, I would say... I don't know, man. It's it's tough. He's my like he trained me, and he's like an idol. Um, in the back of my head, I don't. I'm not there to to win. To be honest, like it's not in my head to win. I was just there to shoot the match and have fun. So, you know, it's winter time. It's it's winter time here, right? So I didn't really live fire live fire practice. All my practice was just dry fire. You know, I've been doing dry fire every day, 20, 30, 45 minutes a day. But live fire, I got, I got zero. So my expectation in this match is really low. You know, I, I'm expecting to place, you know, third, second. First, it was maybe, I don't know. But when I, when I finished day one and I shot conservative and I was only 30 points behind uh, Ken, oh, you know, that, the, the mentality changed. Oh, I can win this match. I can win open, Right. And sex, uh, on the second day, my, my, my plan was, was to shoot a little faster and shoot apples. Because, you know, when you look at the short courses, right, 12-round stage, if you hit a couple of deltas, you're, you're done. If you hit a mic, even if you're one second faster, you're, you're done. That's the difference between IPSC and, I think, USPSA, because 12 stages, they'll, they'll scatter the target targets all over the place. They'll shoot, you'll shoot. With four positions and a lot of running, right? Yeah. I was actually, you know, I, I had said a comment about that. Like the 12 round stages at this match were really good. Like they yep. weren't, they weren't just like, you know, all the USBSA 12 round stages I shoot, it's like two steps and it's over in about four seconds. But you know, these then, were legitimate low, low hit factor stages that like you had to plan and, and shoot well. There was a mm -hmm. lot of like single mini poppers out there and like, all right, I gotta step up and now mini popper, mini popper, mini popper, back out on the target, like. It was, you know, it was not yeah. easy 12 rounds. It's totally different. I love the IPSC short courses. They're very well done, well executed. Yeah, and I do too. And I do too. Like, I think that I enjoy shooting IPSC matches and I like the stage designs. It's just for me, there's not many facilities in the U.S. that can handle that many stages on the ground at one time. Like, you know, maybe Frost Group I've been to, Talladega can handle that many. But like the problem is when you got people trying to do IPSC style matches and there's only 12 bays available at the range, we're going to shoot for that major. I don't think that you get the same thing out of what you're trying to do. And I think that people around here do it and, you know, they know who they are. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put anybody on blast. And I, you know, but I, I personally, the, the Aruba and Puerto Rico were true IPSC matches. And I, those were two of my favorite matches I've ever shot. And it's not, a problem with the three, two, one format. It's a problem with the last space available to run the proper amount of stages for the three, two, one format, in my opinion. So yeah, when people always ask me, like, do you need higher round counts? I always say, well, if there's only going to be 12 stages, absolutely. Because that's where my mental challenge comes in. The fact that there was a lot of 12 round stages here, there were no slot stages, but you know, that there's 20 of them that, that gives me the same mental challenge as, uh, you know, 25 to 32 rounds for every stage for 12 rounds at a match. So that's all I'm looking for. I love the mental challenge of shooting. And so that, that's why, you know, you know, like on our very first podcast, like on the first couple we did, we were talking about, you know, do I support higher rank count? And I'd say, yes, if we only have 12 days to shoot in. But I mean, if we're going to, you know, you get a facility like that. I mean, that facility was world-class, huge. Like, you you know, they had, they had five, five or four zones with five stages in each zone. And like, you could walk to each zone, but like, it was so big that we hopped in the car and we drove to the next zone and we walked those five stages and then we hopped in the car and then drove to the next zone. So like beautiful, this place is beautiful, but 
Yeah. I don't just know. wait until you shoot IPSC in Europe. It's totally different than in the Caribbean areas. They have much more complicated activator sequences, more complicated movers, more positional stuff. It's really yeah. more um, technical. Well, I know Dave. I know Dave from DaVinci was talking about going to Russia this year, and I don't know if that's going to happen with all the conflict that's going on in the world. Yekaterinburg has a beautiful range, right? And so that, so you know, you know, I was pretty pumped when he said Russia because. I had heard about the range we were going to. It's the same one that, you know, we were, when we were talking about, um, you know, that range. And I was like, man, that sounds like a really awesome experience. And everybody else is a little bit sketched out about what's going on with Ukraine and all that kind of stuff. So like, I, you know, I don't really know. I just, I just know I love shooting and you would hope that you'd be able to get there for the match and you'd be able to enjoy the match. Um, right. But I don't know if we're going to be able to make it there this year, but I know that the excitement that he had for signing up this year, I know that if we don't make it this year, it's probably going to be a next year thing. And I can't wait to get to that range after talking to you guys and you guys pump that range up. So I'm pretty pumped to shoot there. But, yeah, that's yeah. a very nice range. They have a lot of really great props and they put a lot of thought into their stages. It's very well executed. They take care of you. I mean, you'll stay at a hotel near the range. They'll pick you up in a bus or whatever and drive you back and forth. And you had a driver for this match, right? No, yeah, Dave. Or just a friend. who drove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the owner of DaVinci. He was great. He got us to and from the range perfectly. And, you know, I feel so bad for that guy, man. He, uh, he, he missed his connector flight on the way down. His guns got left in Miami. Um, and then we were walking stages and he ended up doing a small little, he would, he, so I don't know if he's going to be mad at me for telling this story, but our shoes were soaked on the walkers. Okay. Cause there was puddles everywhere. And it's like, look, you just got to accept mentally, like I'm going to be wet. So my shoes are going to be wet. So at some point you could see him trying to dance around puddles. And I was like, Dave, you just, why don't you just jump in a puddle? Like your feet are going to get wet. You might as well just do it. And he's like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. And it's like, all right. So then he, uh, we were walking stages and on stage 20, actually, he uh, tried to jump over a small little puddle and he just landed the wrong way. And oh, no. he ended up, yeah, he, he popped his knee in the wrong oh. way. He's going for an MRI on Monday. So we're waiting to hear the results of that, but he ended up being on crutches. And so him and his wife were there and I felt so bad for him that, you know, he had come I, all the way. It's got to be you. I, I Every I'm, international yeah. match you go to, someone ends up on crutches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm two for two, I guess you could say. Yeah, Keita, Ron, I don't know if you heard, but I had, I had to carry Keita around. She was trying to crutch her way after whatever, you know, I don't know what happened to her. I'm just, like, she got shot or she just pulled a tendon or something happened, but she, uh, she was on crutches. And yeah, so now this is my second international match to Puerto Rico. And now Dave ends up on crutches. So maybe oh, I just got a room by myself, you know, maybe I just fly by myself. I got to get a room by myself. I got to stay away from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bad juju. Right. I don't, yeah. I didn't even think about that until you just said it. I guess that's interesting. Yeah. I'm two for two on people on crutches, but yeah, I felt so bad for him. So, you know, the fact that, you know, Ryan took second place overall, I took fourth place overall. The fact that I, me, me and my teammate Greg were able to bring home the one, two for PCC. You know, I felt really good that we were able to get back to, to Dave for that. I mean, because, God, I appreciate that we went there in the first place. That was one of the greatest matches I've ever been to in my life. So, uh, one thing also I wanted to touch about on the range was they got more rain there. So, this is what I heard from a local. I never really actually checked it online, but this is what one of the local guys said after the weather was going on. We were at the award ceremony, and he said they had more rain there in three-day period than they have since the 1980s. So, Whoa. You know, any three days in a row, right? That was the most rain they've had since the 80s. So it was, it was, they got a significant amount of rain. But I mean, I feel like when people hear that, they say, wow, that match must have been tough. But this really goes to the setup, the range, how they built it, the, the staff, the, the, you know, they had, they had a guy dumping, they had a guy dumping like crushed stone on there. And you'll see the mat, you'll see the Instagram video of JJ down there when he's running through puddles. But there was not one spot really that was that was super slippery. They had all the spots where you ran were were with crushed stone. So even though you're running through puddles, the footing was very, very good. Um, and then, you know, people see the rain and hear that the three days was the most rain you've ever gotten in since the 1980s. But the drainage that was at this place was so impressive. And, you know, numerous times, you know, when they were getting downpours um, up by, Ryan, you remember up by one through five where they had the uh, the big, like, it was like the half a pipe. And it was just right next to the road. But I mean, you could literally look down the bays in each single zone and you could see the stream of water that was coming off the bays and just perfectly filtering out to whatever drainage they had. And for the amount of water they got, I mean, I remember, 
maybe I'll put them on blast, but I, I remember, I remember two years ago, maybe I shot low country. Uh, I think we were shooting together, Ryan, at that match. You remember that? They ended up throwing out four stages. They got 15 inches of rain um, the week of the match. And it ended up turning that place into a mud pit. Ended up throwing out four stages. So we ended up having seven stages count for our major that day. And for the amount of rain. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, even the locals were saying how ridiculous the rain was in Puerto Rico that they, you know, the week before was beautiful and it was so hot. But I mean, with the amount of water that that range received, the fact that the only thing that took out one stage was a landslide was so amazing because we've been, me and Ryan have been to a match where 15 inches of rain four days before the match, they couldn't get the thing drained in time for them to get through 11 stages. So we ended up shooting yeah. seven. So it was like, it was so impressive. That whole facility was amazing. And like, you know, I don't know how much of an influence this podcast can be for a world shoot. But like that range deserves a world shoot. And from what, we, you know, from what I saw Ryan post on Facebook or meet, I'm not sure how true this is, but there was rumors that this is going to be a 24 stage match next year or something like that. Um, I was just going to ask, how many bays do they have? They're apparently adding more every single year. So they just like, you know, there's five more. There'll seen, be five more there next year. Like in the <laughs> Philippines, they had 36 stage matches. Wow. So I wonder if they'll be able to get that many stages in. So we shot 20 and then there's four open base that they didn't, or maybe six open base. So I would say 26 base available for, and, for that range. And some you can do two stages in one bay. So they don't have to do theoretically. Kita, it is, it, they can literally use every bay. There's not one that's like, you know, all messed up that's like, oh, this is what the public shoots on. No, I mean, so they could have more stages if they wanted to. If they wanted to have a 30 round or not 30 round, a 30 stage world shoot, they could. They could, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure if the, from what I gather, um, you know, from the place, if they got the opportunity knowing that, hey, we have we have the 2024 world shoot, they will build more bays and make them perfect in order to accommodate whatever they do. I mean, that's just the vibe I get from the place because Ryan was there last year. Um, apparently, the guy that owns Da Vinci, Dave, was there. And he said, you know, Dave made a comment where they're like, oh, you know, like they're always making stuff better. Like they have, they have poor concrete walls now in between, in between like one big field. So now they have three really, really nice bays with poor concrete walls. Like, there's always improvements going on there, apparently. And, you know, you can tell that base one through five, Ryan, I don't know if you realize, but one through five clearly just haven't gotten any grass yet. Like those are, you know, every other, every other stage that we shot had grass, but one through five, I think are the new five days. And so like, they were still dirt, but, and they were a little muddy to paste with, but I mean, with the amount of water they received, you're gonna have to expect that. But the fact that you were able to step up, stepping through puddles as you do your wall as you as you do your shooting and you're in your shooting area and and not have to worry about your feet slipping that was like the most super impressive thing to me because you know ryan we've even shot akalani a couple times at a couple majors and the ground's been really wet and there there's areas at akalani where they'll just dump stone and you know a couple shooters will go through and it will just sink into the ground like it's never ending you can keep throwing stone mm-hmm. down and keep throwing stone down and it just keeps going down and it turns back into a slippery mud pile but I mean, this place was like, you know, they had a guy come around with a massive backhoe and just like a bunch of crushed stone. And he would just like take buckets by hand. And this guy was just dumping buckets on all the shooting areas. And, you know, however they compacted the bays when they made them, I mean, they, they did a fantastic job. Whoever built that range could go around the world and, and fix a lot of ranges, you know, especially he can come to America and fix a lot of ranges. That's for sure. Well, Mike, you haven't yeah. said it yet. So yeah. I'm going to say congratulations on winning first place PCC. Oh, yep. Yep. Thank you. Got this going on right here. You know, first place PCC. I mean, you know, a lot of people and and this trophy, I mean, here's my hand. Okay. Just for reference. So I have a lot of people that don't shoot matches and they always say, what, what do you get? If you win, do you get money? Do you get this? And, and, you know, in a way with the sponsorships, I win, you know, this literally this, this hand sized trophy is what we travel around and, and shoot this game for. The fact that it says first place PCC on it, I mean, like that is kind of like what I live for at this point, shooting for DaVinci. And I also have this here because I just have to say that this gun ran like a top. Now I cleaned it before I left. Okay. But we shot 10 stages the first day and it was definitely not dry out. Okay. It was wet. And I left my gun case, my, my case cruiser case out in the rain um, with the gun in it and which stayed perfectly dry inside. But I mean, you would go out and you would shoot. So my gun was dirty after day one and, I don't know why I did this. I mean, normally I'm so paranoid because I shot an MPX back in the day that I would clean in between. But like, 
my my teammate Craig looked at me and I was like, hey man, you got like, you know, you got CLP, you got something that we can just wipe, you know, we'll take the bolt out, we'll wipe the bolt down and, and relube it. He's like, what? I mean, we only shot, you know, what, like 200 rounds, 220 rounds with it. Like, all right, good point. So like, you know, this thing should work and take it out the next day, didn't wipe anything down, didn't even put any oil in it and ran like a top. So shout out to Da Vinci on that one. I mean, uh, you know, they say it's the most reliable PCC on the market. I mean, I know I'm biased and I shoot for them, but I have to agree at this point. I mean, if anything, you get through that amount of water in those, in those two days through 20 stages like that, um, pretty impressive that the gun ran like a top, and I was lazy about it. So, thank <laughs> you. Yeah. And how was your match, Ryan? So, second. Overall, congratulations overall. on second place, sir. I'll say that. I, I told my wife when we traveled to the airport, and she asked me, like, are you ready? Like, are you ready for this match? Um, I haven't seen you live fire a lot. And, you know, I told her, like, you know, as soon as I get in that plane, I, I won. It's a vacation. <laughs> there you go. So that's why I was coming into the match with no expectation. Clear. I don't have any pressure on me. I'm not the, uh, what do you call it? I finished second last year. Uh, there's, you know, Mike, uh, I think Ian McPherson was the champion. And I just want to shoot the match, you know. And then they, after the after first day, I was looking at it, I can win the whole thing, and okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go give my 95%, you know, on day two. I don't want to go 100% because I don't want to crash a couple stages. And it's all about consistency. Yeah. I think on, 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 on day So after six stages, it started raining on us so hard where you have to shoot in the rain, and my mental game got tested. So a lot of the guys asked me, like, hey, Ryan, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a disadvantage for you. You can run and you can poop, but it's going to be muddy and it's going to be, it's going to be raining. What's your, what's your strategy? I told them everyone's going to shoot in the rain. Everybody's going to experience this. All I have to do is really not mess up, not trip and hit all the targets. And that mm-hmm. was my focus in the last. And I think there's like two stages there at the match where there's a swinger at 20, 22 yards probably. And there's a no-shoot, right? And those are the two stages that I was really worried about. Which stages? So, was, that, was that 18, 19, 20? Uh, seven, I think 17 or 18 and 20. 18 and 20, yeah. So those were 17. I paced those out. Those were 17-yard swingers. A no-shoot 17 or 18, and then, and then 20 was thrown out. I did pretty good there. I saw you did too, but yeah, those two. I know what you're talking about. Stages, I was worried. Um, I shot those two stages, uh, one for one on steel, and I didn't have a mic on the swinger. I had like two Charlie and an Alpha Charlie. And I was like, "Here you go, like I'm done. I'm good. I feel I feel good after you know. There's there's maybe one or two stages left. Last stage, I'm just gonna shoot it like like a normal match, like practice. Yeah. So it was for, for the viewer. Those swingers were 17 yards. They were the turtle targets, the IPSC targets. Um, and they had, it was a no shoot stacked on a target. Like if you're watching the YouTube, you got, you can see my hand and it was not a very, it wasn't one of these where you got to see three quarters of the target. It was one where it was very tight. Now, like, did you shoot Virginia state last year, Ryan, the immortal arms? I did. Yeah. So you remember on those, they had, those were cut out. So I feel like they were about the same size as those targets, but now with the addition of a penalty, no shoot underneath it. Right. So like they had just cut out a really tall order key to add this one match of just like really fast turtle targets that were swingers. Um, so it was just the top, but it was only a brown target. So you either get a miss or, you know, you get your hits and there was no, no shoot potential. But at this match, they were 17 yards, super fast. And they were, there was, yeah, yeah, it was a no shoot. <laughs> I, I actually, you know, pissed me off because I, I actually perf hit, I perf hit one of the no shoots on, on 18. And like, I was like, you know, like to me, if you're gonna hit a no shoot, I wanna I wanna hit the whole thing, you know. Like having a perfect is just like it's gonna go on the score and it's gonna say no shoots, one no shoot. But like, does that really count? Like it's a half a bullet. <laughs> literally a half inch for being like that was just fine. Like if I'm gonna hit it, like I'd rather just be completely in the thing. Like let me hit it right in the middle of the no shoot and just say, all right, well at least I was there. Because when, talk- when perfect, it's so frustrating. There, okay, so there's a reason for that. We talk about this in my train smart class on the vision training. 
the reason there are so many stickers right along that line of the no shoot and the brown target is because of the contrast between the white and the brown. It draws your eyes to that spot. Right. So that's part of the challenge is to not let it draw your eyes to that line of contrast. Yeah, I just, you know, I should slow down a little bit on the swing. You fell for it, man. (laughs) You know, so I'm just trying to still time my dot just like I'm shooting any other target. So it's like, pop, pop, you know, and it's, you know, it's sometimes it'll get you, you know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So tell me about the the awards. (laughs) Oh, it was awesome. They had paella. They had a big boat, me, a big pan of, um, of paella and... You know, they had beer, they had, they had, they had, they had, they had some good food. Yeah, this and is one area USPSA I, needs to work on because this is where IPSC crushes USPSA it is the after party, the award ceremony. Like, God, you know, you know how bad we went to, we went to nationals this year. I don't know how it was for you, Ryan. PCC nationals, there was definitely not enough food. And I'm definitely, Mr. Jake Martins, if you are listening, I'm definitely holding you accountable for that. There was four plates of pasta. They tried to cut the bread into, into slices this thin so people would get one piece. Like, you got to be kidding me. You go I actually every, gave so, JJ my food because I could see uh, he was hangry. No. So, and he was in line behind now. me. I had a plate full. Aruba. I was like. Yeah. Well, Aruba and now Puerto Rico even stepped it up from Aruba. My God. The fact that we were able to get the like some of the best food ever. They, had, they brought somebody in. There was a massive train. There's pictures of it online, if you could see. There was a massive cauldron, almost. That's what I called it. A cauldron. <laughs> right. And then, very nice people at Nationals for USBSA. Um, there was beers there. So, like, after we were done shooting the match, you know, we went to go get our awards. You guys can learn from that and say, hey, maybe we should get the shooter some beer. You guys could sell it. We'll all buy it. We promise. Because, God, <laughs> you know how many beers that I drank? I was so pumped about taking first place BCC. I spent a good amount of money there. So that's something that the people for USPSA Nationals, I think hopefully they, if they're listening, they can take away for that. Uh, get some beers and get enough food. After two days, for me, for me, it was like work. Ryan went there with his family for vacation. But for me, I was going with the DaVinci guys. We flew in on Thursday, kind of late. Uh, we settled in. We went Friday to walk the stages. I, we walked stages for five hours, me and my teammate, Craig. And Dave walked stages for two and a half until he hurt himself. Sorry, Dave. Um, so, you know, then we wake up, we wake up Saturday, we're shooting all day, you know, like just trying to execute our stage plans and then wake up Sunday, shooting all day, trying to finish a match off after you see this, uh, where you're at after day one. And like, so, you know, just, it was like a release of everything going into that match for me. Um, you know, there was, it was almost like work, like where I went there and I was super focused and like, you know, just focused all the time. We'd go eat dinner on, on Thursday night, Friday night, thinking about the next day, like, well, I'm not going to get crazy, no alcohol. You know, just drinking waters or maybe even a soda, but like, you know, nothing that's going to be too heavy on my stomach. So like, man, when the award ceremony comes and like they're playing good music and you got the people around there from Aruba, or I mean, from, uh, from Puerto Rico, you know, the, like Ryan was talking about earlier, the hospitality, they put on a hell of a party. The music was good. The beers were flowing. The, the awards were good. And man, the award ceremony was fantastic. And if I could have like videoed that and sent it to the people that run nationals and run all majors. That's what USPSA needs because it's a perfect way to finish off a long weekend of shooting. And now, did you see opinion. a lot of the guys from Aruba there? It's a different app. Yeah, all the Aruba guys were there. So, yeah, I mean, they have their own squad and they're great. You know, it was nice to see them. And that's, you know, that's partially what's the best part about this game is, you know, the shooting is when you go to matches like this, especially international matches and, you know, even majors all over the United States. Um, it's more than about shooting. It's about seeing all your people that like, you know, Yimin was there. I love Yimin. I hope Yimin wins USPSA president. Um, vote for Yimin when there's a little endorsement for him. Um, but like, you know, getting to see Yimin six times a year, you know, you can see ROs or ROs, a lot of matches, you know, getting to see the people from Aruba's after me and Keita went there. It was like, you know, everybody remembers everybody. We all love shooting. So we all have a common interest no matter what our backgrounds are. The best part about this game is the people and getting to be with the people. So like, you know, that's where, and that's where the after party is really fantastic um, because, you know, that's your opportunity where people are still hanging around where you're able to sit there and talk to your friends and like after everybody's done shooting. So you're not bothering anybody at this point, trying to go up to shoot a stage. Everybody's decompressing, drinking some beers, having a great time. I, I loved everything about that. I thought that was so good. Yeah. I know Ruben and Joel for sure went, I'm not sure who else went from Aruba. A lot of people. There was a lot of people that were at the Aruba match that I remember seeing only in the Aruba match that were were, were at Puerto Rico. And from what I remember, I mean, you know, 
my bad habit leads to good conversation. You know, sitting outside smoking cigarettes for hours on end in, in Aruba. There's a lot of people that smoke cigarettes from international uh, competition. So, uh, you know, it was good. I got to talk to a lot of people out there for a long time. But from what they say is they travel around to and they support each other's matches. So all the dudes from Aruba go to the Caribbean Open. All the, like, you know, you know, uh, I don't want to say her name wrong. Let me think about this for a second. Katia, I believe is how you say it. Not, yeah. So uh, Katia, Claudia. We heard her crew. They travel. They went to Aruba and they were there. So they all travel around in the Caribbean and they all support each other. And so that's why I wasn't very surprised to see the Arubans there. I was a little surprised to not see a couple people we saw at Aruba, Akita, that, that said that they travel around to all the matches. Like one of the ROs was not there that I was sitting outside talking to for a long time. He was a cool guy. But for the most part, most of the people that were in Aruba were at that match. That's so, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Ryan, where in the Philippines are you from? Are you Cebuano as well? Uh, yes, I speak Cebuano. I, I know how to speak Cebuano. So I'm from, from the South. I don't know if you know, you heard Mindanao, Davao City. Oh, yeah. I've been to Mindanao. I shot a match there. Yep. Yep. So I'm from that area. Born and raised there. So I speak Cebuano. That's my first dialect. And then um, after somewhere, you know, junior, sophomore high school, I got recruited to play basketball in Manila. Okay. University of Santo Tomas. So I played there for, so I learned, well, I know how to talk Tagalog. So now I became fluent talking Tagalog. Okay. I have, have to move up north. They're so different. And, yep. I know a so, few yeah. words in Tagalog, but Cebuano, I'm totally lost. <laughs> right. It's it's a hard dialect. So it's, I would say 30% of the population speaks Cebuano, like that part of the uh, the country uh central and and southern part i think okay. so yeah like me and speak Cebuano and and both yeah. tagalog and Cebuano. but national language is, is tagalog so i know both and right. and 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 again like then moved to i moved to the u.s when i was 21 and and changed everything <laughs> yeah. the first thing they taught me was how to say how handsome they are I didn't know well, what you, I was saying. Guapaca. Guapaca. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're so handsome. Yep. That was the first thing they taught me to say, and I had no idea what I was saying. It's like high school students. So they taught you, hey, right. Receivers. We're like, uh, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not stupid. Right. <laughs> yeah, but hey, Ryan. So, I mean, we only got a couple minutes left here, but just at one, one through 10, what was your experience in Puerto Rico? Do you recommend the match to everybody else to come? um you know like you know give your final thoughts on like what 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 do you rate it i mean to me that was my favorite match I ever shot so what do you i would rate it even if it if it rained um it's a great match if, if you want a, a shooting experience where you can experience ipsc shooting that's close to america that's the match to go yeah you know i would go back there next year uh, you, you know like usually work is crazy around january and march for me but I would still go. Yeah, and we said the same thing, man. Was, we said the same thing. We were like, you know, we were like, even if they're forecasting, even if they're forecasting the worst rain they've had in a three-day period for the match, like, we are still going back because we know the range can handle it. And we're like, it's, you know, it was 20 degrees and raining up here. Why not be Why not be in 85 degrees and rain down there? Like, what the hell? Let's go shoot a match, man. You know? So, yeah. So, Ask me like, Yo, Ryan, are you okay? Like, they apologize. Hey, I'm sorry. Like, I know you've been here last year, and it was so nice last year. It was all sunny and it was warm. Now it's raining. Like, I, I, I think I brought like ten guys with me. We're full spot. All the Filipinos with me. Because right? you talked it up so much. So are you? Are you, are you <laughs> yep. So are your friends okay? So I was like, don't worry about us. Like, we're from the East Coast. Like, you know, like, you go to range. There's there's three four inches of snow and it's twenty degrees out. So I will take this weather any day, anytime. Any day. Right. Any so day. I would agree. You know, if you shoot a great match, a uh, great after party, go to Caribbean Open. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Totally. They're having it next year, right? Yep. They won't. Yeah. So it's been confirmed. It's going to be in early February. Um, and just trying to touch on what Ryan said a little bit. Um, it's Puerto Rico. It's close to home. If you're from the U.S., um, there's really only one extra thing that you need to do to fly versus like what you would be doing. Like it's the same as flying as you would in the United States, except for on the match website, when you sign up, there's, I don't, I don't know that I believe it's a temporary government firearms permit. 
where you're going to fill that out. Um, you write your what your gun is, what the serial number is. Um, you write what kind of ammo you're bringing, how many rounds, and then you sign it and you send it back to the match director who was, um, uh, again, don't want to say this, Rakakia. Um, great person, by the way. Um, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, we got our stamp permits back um, in an email. You print those out and you just bring them with you on your flight. So it's, it's, it's not at all complicated when it comes to flying there. It's not like going to an international match where you'd have to go to Customs and Border Patrol before you fly. Um, it's very much just something you fill out online and just put your guns just like you would flying from wherever you are to wherever you would go in the United States. Um, so very simple. And one better thing that it has on Aruba is I got to keep my gun and I was able to do my dry fire at night and I had much better time than that. Uh, in Aruba, they took our guns. In Puerto Rico, you are allowed to take your guns from the airport back to your Airbnb and you're for them. That's why you have that sheet that you filled out um, from the match. So if anybody's a little turned off on the flying to Puerto Rico, just know it is a domestic flight. They treat it as a domestic flight. There's one extra step, one extra piece of paper, and it's on the website. Sign-ups are around when, Ryan? I believe it was November. So you start signing up for the match? Late October, early November. Yep. So if you guys all want to put it on your schedule, just you make... the... Say that again? They, they posted on Facebook? Yeah, dude. The, the hype video that they got? Yep. Yeah, uh, that, that looked good. Yeah, dude, you were in that a couple times, and Amit with his flipping catch. I thought Akita when when Amit had the flipping My catch. Shirt. I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a backstory on that. So Katya came up to my squad, right? You know, like you know, I know her. You know, so she was like, "Hey, Ryan, like you know, are you gonna win? Are you gonna win open? Like you know, like there's you know, it's it's a wide open way that you can you can win open." I was like, you know, I'm gonna try, and she was like, "Okay." Five minutes later, she came up to me and like, oh, we're going to video you. You're, you're, we're going to video your entire squad and I'm going to take video of you shooting the stage. I was like, you really want me to win? Like, yeah. Like, go. Take, don't video leave me, me alone. Right. I, distraction. Go. <laughs> go. Right. That's a whole new challenge. It really does bring this additional pressure. And eventually you learn to deal with it and it becomes just nothing to be filmed. But yeah, if yeah. you're not used to it, it's super awkward at first. Look, Ryan, if there's one piece of advice I can even give you, not saying that I get filmed at all, all the time, but you know, the best the best thing for me, even if I know there's people watching that are like, hey Mike, I'm gonna come watch you shoot a stage, is when I when I turn around and the guy says make ready and I'm looking downrange at the targets, it's just me and the targets at that point. Yeah. Like literally there could be a million people behind me, there could be one person behind me, and I know I don't know any difference. And in my yeah. head, what I instantly think is like, well, like nobody's watching me. Like everybody like like, I don't know why, but, like, the first thing I picture is, like, everybody's just turned around or talking to each other. And nobody's <laughs> actually paying attention to anything I'm doing. So, I'm like, who gives a crap anyway? Like, it's just me and the RO. I've done this a million times. It's just me and the stage at this point. So, that can help put the, the pressure out of your head. Like, I know yeah. Dave came up and he's like, well, we're going to Facebook Live you here at Virginia State uh, last year. And, yeah, while, you know, while I'm sitting there thinking about it, I'm saying that, like, okay, I'm a little nervous. But then it's like, all right, make ready. And as soon as that make ready command goes off, like, you know, it's like, I always think I always equate it to like I play golf, so sorry if you guys don't play golf, but it's like you know when you step up to hit the ball and you're like just about to hit the ball. Golf requires like two seconds of focus, and it's like that's a kind of the same thing for me. It's like stepping up to the ball is like when the guy says make ready, and it's like as soon as that happens, there's like a light switch that turns on. I can't see or hear anything that's going on outside of exactly what I'm doing, and I just have like tunnel vision and I'm just playing my stage plan in my head. And I can, you know, like it, maybe that'll help you the next time that you, you know somebody's watching. I mean, I get that way, Ryan. I used to get that way, even when I knew just people were watching. They didn't even be videoing me. It's just like people like say, hey, we're going to come watch you shoot this, like just randomly, no video, nothing. Just like, you know, and it would get me nervous. Like, well, I know that now, now there's people watching because like now you've told me you're watching because like now I can't put out of my head that you've turned around and you're talking with each other that like you're not even paying attention. Like now, now I know that you have my, your eyes on me. And it's like, okay, that got me a little nervous. But at some point, so like just, you know, when you when the guy says make ready and you're looking that way, don't look back and you just focus on your plan and you know then it just turns back into another stage. So yeah, I think it's a that. really great test of your visualization and your mental ability to perform under pressure, to have people videotape you and watch you and learn how to work through that. I think it makes you a much better shooter. Yep. And the only way to do that is to have the experience with it. So for all yeah. you people that are always shooting level ones and always go to locals. You guys got to sign up for a major and get out to a major this year. At least do one, because I know once you do one, you're going to do two, and then you're going to do five, and then you're going to be like me, and you got 12 on your sign-ups already for the year. 
And I love majors, and I think that it just brings a whole new level to your game. If you think you're good at locals and you only shoot locals, I think you're making a mistake. So check out your uh, practice score. You can use the toggle filters button. I know a lot of people don't know how to do this. They're always like, I don't even know where the signups were. If you go on practice score and you use the toggle filters thing, you can just do click USPSA and level two and level three, and then it'll bring up all the majors around you. So you have no excuse not to go to these majors. Signups are already open. You guys should get on that. It'll make you a better shooter. That's my suggestion. You were going to say something, Ryan? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Ryan, do you have any sponsors you want to talk about? I don't have a major sponsor. Um, right now, I, you know, I use RMR Bullets. They give me a little bit, you know, discount here and there. So that was it. What about Team Makers? You want to shout out to Team Makers, Shirley and all those guys? Oh, yeah, Team Makers. You know, they provide my jersey. They give me jersey every quarter. So, you know, I, thanks for the support. Um, that's it, man. Yeah, Ryan, hey, for everybody out there listening that may potentially be a sponsor, Ryan is very much a, a lone wolf, and uh, he's a hell of a shooter, and he's well-respected in our area, Area 8, and, you know, a lot of people know who he is, and, you know, if you're looking for a good guy to represent your company or represent your gun, uh, you know, you know, hit Ryan up on Facebook or something like that, give Ryan a call. He's definitely deserving, um, super respectable guy. So thanks for coming on the show, Ryan. We appreciate it. Yeah, you thank on. you so much. Yeah. You know, thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, have a good day, guys. Yep. You too. Hopefully. Thanks, guys. Thank you.